The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With inflation and border crossings at record highs, it appears Americans are beginning to wake up to the disastrous performance of President Joe Biden. But no matter what the latest disaster is, there appears to be one consistent theme from the White House. It's always someone else's fault. I'll dive into this slow motion train wreck of a presidency, only in year two, in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It's not been a good week, a good month, a good first term so far for Joe Biden. Let's be honest about this. And the most recent situation that has unfolded is the demasking of people on airplanes, which should be just a good thing. Everybody should be happy about this, right? Masks don't actually stop the spread of COVID. We've been aware of this for almost two years now. It has been obvious to anybody 
with eyes and, uh, and who was willing to look at the data and reality. Uh, but beyond that, it's a marker of the passage of the pandemic in so many ways. Psychologically, there's big benefit here. Oh, but the Democrat left is freaking out about this because, you know, they want to wear masks still on planes. And so Joe Biden is now in a, in a position where they have to figure out this judge has forced their hand. Are they going to slap masks back on people on planes? DOJ has announced it will appeal the mask mandate ruling. The Department of Justice and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention disagree with the district court's decision and will appeal subject to the CDC's conclusion that the order remains necessary for public health. Wait, but hold on. So are they appealing or not? You'll notice it's a contingent appeal because their left-wing lunatic base is, how can you get rid of masks on planes? They say, oh, don't worry, we're appealing if the CDC tells us we have to appeal. And you get the sense that from the other side of the mouth, they're saying, CDC, we don't want to appeal this. We don't want to deal with the heat. Because the one thing the Democrats want above all else is power. And they want to be able to evade accountability in order to maintain power. They want to be in a position to say, hey, it's not our fault that all this terrible stuff happened to you, like COVID lockdowns and mass policies and everything else. They'll just rewrite the history of their lie, of the lie about it. If they do those things going into an election, well, then that gets harder to lie about, right? It's harder when people are just about to vote and you say, oh, we're not responsible for the COVID policies that are useless, stupid, oppressive, and annoying, eh, because they are. So Jen Psaki says that Biden is going to appeal the ruling on the federal mask mandate just so that they have the authority, if they need to, to use it again in the future. They want the power, you see. Watch. Right now, it's, we, we, of course, are deferring to the CDC on what they believe is needed at this moment. They've already, they obviously put in place this two-week extension because they felt they needed that to take a look at the data, given that we've seen a rise in cases. So we certainly anticipate to hear more from them soon on their ask for uh, for being able to have that time, which we think is entirely warranted. And the Department of Justice, as you noted, has indicated uh, that they would appeal, uh, not just because they think it's entirely reasonable, uh, of course, to have this additional time to look at it, but because they think uh, that the current, uh, for current and future public health crises, uh, we want to preserve that, that uh, authority for the CDC to have in the future. Oh, we want to make sure the CDC can mask you up again whenever they feel like it going forward. That's what's going on here, friends. That's how, that's how they're trying to play the game. Yeah, people are psychos. They really are, they're terrifying. Anyway, so, but this is bad for Biden because it forces his hand and people realize that the Democrat base when it comes to masks and COVID are a bunch of lunatics. But then there are other issues too, things that even Democrats recognize are a big problem, aren't good. Uh, things like the high price of basically everything you need to live these days. So what does Joe Biden do? Now, remember, this is a guy who you would think would be talking about what a great job he's done, right? Because he was going to bring back normalcy and he was going to help middle-class families and the economy grow up from the middle out, not the top down, all this other crap, all the talking points that old man Biden's been spewing for a while now. But the price of everything, including gas and food and rent and used cars, is really high. It got really high while he was president. So what does he do? This is Biden yesterday blaming COVID. So let's be absolutely clear about why we have such high prices now. There are two reasons. First was COVID. The way the global economy works, 
If a factory in Vietnam makes computer ships and shuts down in Vietnam because of a COVID outbreak, it causes a ripple effect to slow down manufacturing in Detroit, where they need those, those semiconductors to build the automobiles. So because of the pandemic, we had disruptions in our supply of important materials. So prices went up. It is really stunning that that guy is the president of the United States, to be honest with you. I mean, he's just so clearly not up for this. And the people that have put him in this position, it's, it's grotesque, but they'll do anything for power, obviously. So he's, he's blamed, you know, there's, there's COVID. Oh, and there's also putting the blame for inflation on Vladimir Putin. Watch this one. And the second big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. Not a joke. Putin's invasion of Ukraine has driven up gas prices and food prices all over the world. Two major breadbaskets of wheat in the world were Ukraine and Russia. The United States is number three, and Canada number four. Well, we saw the most recent inflation data. Last month, about 70 percent of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on gas and energy prices. I'm doing everything I can to bring down the price to address Putin's price hike. Putin's price hike. Yeah, they came up with this. Uh, the poll, poll tested, focus grouped, political consultant, Putin's price hike. That's really going to do it. Um, if you look at a chart of inflation, you'll notice that long, many, many months before there was any problem at all in Ukraine uh, with regard to the Russian invasion, uh, right around when Joe Biden took office in 2021, all of a sudden inflation starts to go up and things were more expensive over the course of last year. It turns out that when you spend trillions of dollars and tell people to stay home and get a paycheck instead of facing the dangerous virus, which we all had to do anyway, so none of this made any sense, uh, there are economic consequences, which some of us were warning about from the beginning. But Joe Biden would rather play the blame game and distract people from reality. Here's a tweet from two years ago, by the way. This is when Donald Trump was president. The president needs to stop blaming others and do his job, right? That was April of 2020. And this is him today. This is uh, the reality of Joe Biden today. A guy who just says it's everyone else's fault. Somehow it's everybody else's fault. Price increases, March year over year, food up 8%, housing 5%, gas 48%. Medical services only 2.9%. Um, and here's a graph, by the way, showing the rise. And I, I don't even have time to cover all the disasters. We're, we're running out of time in this segment to cover all of the Biden disasters that just keep getting worse every week. Here's the border encounters, which means apprehensions in March of 2022, 221,000. Uh, this is one of the highest numbers we've ever seen for a month ever. Not a surprise. Biden's approval, by the way, 33%, according to Quinnipiac. That's the most recent, 33%. We'll have more on the disastrous Biden presidency with National Review's David Harsanyi coming up. First, let's talk about protecting your home. Look, you know me, I'm skeptical by nature. So when I first heard about home title theft and the idea that thieves can literally steal your home, I was like, come on, really? Can some cyber criminal really forge my name off the title of my home and take over as the new owner? Turns out, yeah, he can. Not as rare as you'd think. According to the FBI, the crime is growing faster than credit card fraud, and you're not covered by homeowners insurance or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock earned my trust. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they mobilize to help shut it down. Here's what I urge you to do. Number one, go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Number two, 
register your home address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. And when you protect your home, tell them Buck Sexton sent you to get my list or discount. HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com. We come back. It's Harsanyi time. Stay with us. Facing total failure on nearly every critical issue facing our country, President Biden's approval ratings have tanked since he took office back in 2021. The latest Quinnipiac poll numbers have him at just 33% approval, down from his high of 51% of February last year. Despite his administration's best efforts to point the finger at anything and everything other than failed policies that he and the folks around him, his handlers, are responsible for, blame game doesn't appear to be working with the American people. Joining me now to talk about it, senior writer at National Review, David Harsanyi. David, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Buck. It feels like the talking points aren't even working for the intended audience anymore. Everyone's kind of looking at the Biden regime, as we like to call it, just to irk them a little bit, uh, and saying, this is a mess. <laughs> well, yeah, I think because a lot of the pro- you know, a lot of the problems that they're dealing with, inflation, for instance, predates, obviously, Putin's invasion of uh, Ukraine. So to try to blame it on them or on corporations that, you know, you know, have been going on for 10 years without or 30 years without this kind of inflation, now blaming them for, for, for gouging. It just doesn't, I don't just think, inherently make any sense for people, even, you know, who are a, sort of apolitical. There's always going to be a small embedded group of partisans who support the president no matter what. But anyone who has sort of any, you know, is a slightly apolitical or doesn't care enough, it's obviously it doesn't make any sense. And I think what 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 uh, makes this incredible, for me at least, his, his unpopularity, is that he was literally handed uh, a slam dunk recovery, right? Like everyone knew once you opened the economy, it was going to be a recovery. It was a it was a man made recession. I mean, they're all man made, but you know what I mean. It was a state impelled recession, and yet he messed that up on almost in every way. He was, you know, just because he felt like he needed to placate the far left with spending, etc. And uh, so he deserves all all the uh, credit for what's going on right now. Here's Biden saying that more jobs were created during his first 14 months than any other president in history. Check this one out. So look, we're making progress. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery so far has created 7.9 million new jobs. More jobs, more jobs created over the first 14 months than any president ever. Over 420,000 manufacturing jobs. Unemployment rate is at 3.6%, down from 6.4%. And I just say, if he is, and I do believe he is, counting jobs that went away because they had to, like in the service industry, because you're at restaurants shut down, I think people figure out that uh, the books are cooked. Yeah, I mean, that's... People have mentioned this, but it's like an arsonist taking credit for for building a house after it's burned down. I mean, he was for, and Democrats were for, and many Republicans as well, supported the the, the shutdown of the American economy that did nothing other than kill jobs and, and make us poorer in many ways. So you don't get credit for simply opening it up. You don't create any jobs. Now, of course, the presidents don't create jobs anyway. Uh, what they do is they do no harm, right? They stay out of the way. And he couldn't do that. He pumped money into the economy when we knew it was going to be hot already. 
Uh, and now, the, you know, what happens, obviously not all his fault, but still partly his fault because he wanted to pass another $5 trillion bill. Um, you know, so he, t- he can't take credit for that. And I don't think anyone with a brain believes that. And uh, so I think that's why you see his numbers at historic lows. By the way, Biden also is beset with some concerns about energy prices, inflation, and the general economy, despite his uh, claim to have created more jobs than anybody else. But here he is on calling on Congress to lower family utility bills while lowering the debt. I don't know. I'm just going to let him say it, and you can tell us how this is supposed to come together. Watch. Beyond gas prices, I've called on Congress to move immediately to lower the cost of family utility bills, prescription drug bills, and more, while lowering the deficit and reducing inflation. That would make a big difference for families. We can do a lot of these things without raising a single penny on taxes of anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Nobody making less than $400,000 see a single penny in their taxes raised. It's the best way Congress can address inflation right now. So we're going to just, I mean, it really, it almost sounds like, like the, the Generalissimo or something, like, like Maduro calling for price controls here. Like just lower the utility bills. The deficit won't go up. We're going to reduce inflation by giving people money, and that money is going to be paid for by taxing some people. But what, what is he saying? There's so much wrong with that statement. I mean, why don't we just add a zero onto all, all our dollar bills? You paste a little zero on there. We'll have $10 instead of one, right? I mean, uh, you're right. I was going to say that he wants price controls. He wants to artificially in, in institute price controls in, in two major, major parts of the economy. You know, what we don't talk about enough, though, on the gas stuff is that the Democrats actually want higher gas prices. I mean, they every single climate bill that we talk about, that we debate, has a, 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 you know, a contrived mechanism to tax, make gas. Right? I mean, they basically want yeah. to make you pay more yeah. for gas because gas is bad and yucky. Right. They want to create scarcity. And that's what we have now. So first he says no. Then he goes and begs OPEC. Then he goes and still takes oil from Russia and all of that stuff. And finally opens up leases here, which he should have done when he first became president. The first thing he did was shut down leases on pub- new oil leases on public lands. This, this, the first thing he did or the second thing he did was shut down a pipeline that would soon be bringing us, I forgot how much, but a huge amount of gas and oil. So um they want this, so I'd never understand why they complain about it when it happens. When this is the goal, I mean, we're we're getting this is what it looks like when you have a new green, you know, a green new deal policy passed. Looks like this at the pump, much worse than this. It feels like they could, if they wanted to, look at what's working in different parts of the economy and change course. Here is uh, David. I don't know if you caught this one. In a rare moment of honesty, an MSNBC panelist praises DeSantis's COVID response and the Florida economy. Watch. Put your political strategy aside. When you watch, you do. This is a guy who's unafraid to put his hand on the hot stove. Unafraid. And 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 one could argue that much has been, I was critical of Governor DeSantis, still am, uh, during um, the height of COVID. But if you really look at the numbers, Florida actually came out. He's got a story to tell. All right. He has a story to tell. And the economy is strong. And the economy is strong. The story is he was right. <laughs> this is what's amazing. I mean, she's kind of getting close to the truth there because it's so unavoidable. But I think this is the remarkable part about this. We're all supposed to move on now as if we don't really have the results of the test now, so to speak. Uh, California, New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., K 
catastrophically stupid in their COVID response and also just in general with the economy. But I mean, they, they just won't admit it, David, because what? Ideology too important? Doesn't matter what the gas price is? First, I'd like to say that 13 states, I think, have reached the employment levels they had pre-COVID, and 12 of the 13 are Republican states, because they were far less inclined, for the most part, not all of them, to to engage in the kind of widespread shutdowns that we saw, uh, you know, left-wing you know, governments do in, in left-wing states. So I think that obviously when you look at the numbers and the data, Florida, I think is somewhere in the middle when it comes to COVID, uh, you know, fatalities and et cetera. I mean, they're in the middle because, you know, and, and think about this though, Florida is actually has a very, you know, an elderly population. So they probably, uh, you know, would do better if they had the sort of average population see in other states. But um, so yeah, they've done well. We have the de- data now and they still talk about him like he was Hitler or something because he essentially, I mean, I don't agree with everything DeSantis does, but he really understands and doesn't seem scared and hasn't since the beginning of COVID to take on these, uh, you know, to take on these policies that everyone, you know, that the experts tell us work and et cetera. And I, I think that people appreciate that conservatives, but I bet you others will as, as well, especially in suburban places where, you know, businesses were destroyed and kids were home for two years, et cetera. Real quick, David, what is the, I'm just asking you to, to put out the, the number that comes to mind. What is your percentage certainty right now that Joe Biden is gonna seek a second term given everything we're seeing? I just watching that video right there, I can't believe that he's the president right now. I just don't think that he's equipped to be the president and that's nothing, you know, it is what it is. Life works that way. and. Uh, but I don't know who else would run. So I, I think he's actually going to run. And uh, I don't know what percentage, but I think there's like an 80 percent chance right now he's going to run. I was going to say 90. So you are right in this. I think he's going to run. I, don't, I think Democrats just don't care. Don't care. Masks don't work. Don't care. Keep doing it. Raising the price of gas. Bad idea. Don't care. Keep doing it. Like we've entered this whole other realm where they're just going to just plow forward. David, always good to see you, man. Thanks. Seven years from now as president. I mean, I, that's a scary thought. I mean, if they could get him a third yeah. term, they would. They're ruthless. Anyway, good, good to see you, David. Appreciate it. You too. Thanks. Biden administration is getting ready to announce a massive new military aid package to Ukraine as Russia begins its offensive in the nation's east and south. We'll have more of the latest on that with senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio. Let's talk about your online data protecting yourself. A lot of companies say your privacy is guaranteed, but you know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. Spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. The long-awaited Donbas offensive has begun in Ukraine. Russian forces are pushing forward in the nation's eastern area in an effort to regain some of the lost momentum and to gain control over two Russian-speaking provinces. 
Meanwhile, the Biden administration is getting ready to announce yet another massive military aid package to Ukraine to insist, uh, assist in their fight against the Russians. The package is expected to include additional heavy weaponry and artillery. Join me now, somebody who has been watching this very closely uh, on all things Russia-Ukraine, senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio. Bill, thanks so much. Always a pleasure, bud. Thanks for having me. So just tell us, what are we seeing right now? What's underway with this Donbass offensive? Yeah, the offensive in, in the east, it's also occurring in the south as well. Uh, the Russians, I think it's in the opening stages right now. I don't think it's in full gear. The Russians have deployed an additional, it appears to be around 20,000 to 30,000 troops. Uh, it's really hard to tell um, to the area. And right now they've been launching artillery attacks on key positions as well as airstrikes and missile strikes, uh, long-range missile strikes both in the region and against Ukrainian uh, facilities, command and control facilities, weapons, uh, storage depots, manufacturing, things of that nature. I think the Russians right now are probing the Ukrainian defenses, along, particularly along the Donbass. And in the south, they're slowly pressing northward. Uh, I don't think the Russians have brought the full weight to bear of, of this offensive. Like, like I said, I think it's in the opening stages. They're trying to cut off uh, surround and circle a number of Ukrainian forces that are particularly in that Donbas region. These are some of the best troops in the Ukrainian military. They're in static positions along the defensive line, and the Russians are going to be attacking them from, from the south, the east, and from the north, from Kar the Kharkiv slash Izium axis from the north. Uh, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Ukrainians to in order to hold but the, they've they've performed very well particularly in and around kiev but it looks like the russians are changing their tactics and are taking a more plodding methodical approach a more heavy-handed with artillery approach as opposed to trying to do lightning blitzkrieg uh, type operation like they did at kiev do we have some sense of uh, how, how large the russian force is that is amassed against the ukrainians in this eastern and southern offensive i mean how many troops all in are, are the Russians deploying here? So there were 200, estimated around 200,000 Russian troops that was deployed for both Kiev and the uh, southern and eastern offensives. It's difficult to know. We don't, I don't have a sense as to how many have been deployed from the Kiev region. There are still Russian troops in that region, and that's tying down Ukrainian forces. I would guess that the Russians probably have 100 to 150,000 troops in the southern and eastern areas in order to press this offensive. So what are the biggest areas of advantage that the Russians have militarily at this stage? I mean, is the issue of uh, Russian airstrikes and air cover uh, the biggest area or is artillery? I mean, what, what are the Ukrainians uh, lacking or what would they need to be able to fight back more effectively? The Russians do. They have the air superiority. They have gained air superiority in the south and in the east. And that has been since day one. They're able to get that when they want it. The, and also artillery. That's one thing the Russians are, are pretty good in. They have an advantage in armor as well. The Ukrainians would need a significant amount of artillery and armor. It's a much more open terrain in the south and east where they're fighting. The Ukrainians aren't going to be able to use their ambush tactics as effectively as they have in and around Kiev in, in the urban areas. 
so the Ukrainians are definitely in need of more armor. We hear a lot about the Russian losses, but we haven't heard about is the Ukrainian losses. And they've had to have lost a significant amount of artillery and armor. And a lot of that was de- redeployed to the Kiev region in order to defend the capital as they should. Uh, the Russians also have the advantage of shorter logistical lines, and they're attacking from three directions. Whereas in the case of Kiev, they were only coming at it from really from two directions, from from the northeast and then from the north as well. Here is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki giving an update on uh, weapons being provided to Ukrainian forces. The president continues to, uh, has no plans to send troops to fight a war with Russia. He doesn't think that's in our national security interests, in the interests of the American people. And so what our focus has been on has been obviously providing this historic amount of security assistance, military assistance, weapons to the Ukrainians that has helped them effectively fight this war and economic assistance as well. There were four uh, planes uh, that arrived of military assistance over the course of the weekend. Uh, another one to d- is supposed to arrive today, if it hasn't already, um, from the $800 million package the president announced, so just to give you a sense of our efforts to continue to get more uh, assistance in. So what are the primary things that we are giving to the Ukrainians that, that are particularly uh, necessary for their defense? But also, are we training? Ukrainians now. There's been some reporting, some early indicators that that was at least being discussed. Yes, the, all indications were training about 50 Ukrainians. To, we're, one of the key weapon systems is 18 howitzer artillery systems and 40,000 shells to go with it. But the Ukrainians are used to Russian uh, equipment, so they need to be trained. They're being trained in an outside country, likely Poland or or or, or Czech Republic. It would be my guess. Uh, and so they're being trained, and then they're going to have to go back into the country and train others to use those systems. You can't train on these types of systems overnight. Uh, it, it, they do take time. It could take weeks to get the Ukrainians to be adept at using these systems. And the fight is now. So this is uh, this is a, a bit of a problem. Also, the U.S. is providing Javelin uh, anti-tank missiles. But again, that won't be as, as effective as they were uh, in, in Kiev, in the defense of Kiev. Uh, and other uh, uh, drones, the switchblade drones are being provided and whatnot. Um, some of this assistance that's coming from the former Warsaw Pact countries, the Eastern European countries, are some. They're getting some aircraft and armored vehicles, tanks. Uh, those the Ukrainians do know how to use. That'll be more effective for the Ukrainians. The question is, is how much and how quick can they be transported to the theater? This is where the Russians have the advantage in logistics. Um, the Ukrainians have a very long logistical supply line to take to get to the fight into the south and east. President Zelensky has openly called for President Joe Biden to visit Ukraine. Watch this. Do you want President Biden to come here? Yes. Is yes. there are there any plans for him to come? I think he will. You think I he think, will? I think he will. And I think he. But it's, it's no, no. I mean, it, it's his decision. Of course, and and about the safety situation, it depends. I mean that, but I think I think he's the leader of the United States, and that, that that's why he should come here to see. Do you think he will? I suspect he won't. Not in the short term. Uh, the battle for Kiev is only a couple uh, over for a couple of weeks. The Russians are still launching airstrikes in the region. Uh, the president's security team. Uh, and the U.S. military would be very much against this. They'd be advising uh, him not to go. I would advise him not to go. The last thing 
you know, we would not want a, an accident happening to the president with the, the, any potential problem that can possibly draw us into a di direct confrontation with Russia. It's just very dangerous. I know uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson went there and other leaders have gone there. But, uh, you know, my advice would be it's not necessary for him to go to Kiev to show his support. Always good to see you, Bill. Thanks for the expertise. Thank you, Buck. Have a great day. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is stepping up his fight against the Disney Corporation over its opposition to the Parental Rights in Education bill. DeSantis and fellow Florida lawmakers are threatening to bring an end to special privileges the company has long enjoyed in the Sunshine State. We'll take a look at that with Republican candidate for Florida's House of Representatives, Brian Cloudis, coming up here. First, let's talk about our latest sponsor, the Silencer Shop. I love the Second Amendment, big supporter of it, as you know. And for many gun owners, a suppressor is just an absolute must-have. Protects your hearing, improves your accuracy by minimizing recoil. And believe it or not, suppressors are legal in 100, I'm sorry, 100% legal in 43 states. So if you want to practice safe, accurate shooting, the best way to get your suppressor is through the silencer shop. Their silencers start at $365, and they've got a whole variety right there for you to choose from. They're a Texas-based company with fantastic customer service. You can get more details right now online at silencershop.com. Again, that's silencershop.com or on Instagram at instagram.com slash silencershop. They'll make silencer ownership simple. Silencershop.com for all your suppressor needs. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. I am announcing today that we are expanding the call of what they are going to be considering this week. And so, yes, they will be considering the congressional map, but they also will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968, and that includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' battle with Disney took an interesting turn yesterday when he announced that lawmakers will consider repealing the self-governing status for Disney's properties. Earlier today, the Florida Senate passed the uh, bill that would dismantle the special privileges Disney has enjoyed since the mid-1960s. So what does this mean for the Sunshine State going forward? Let's ask GOP representative candidate in Florida's District 6, Mr. Brian Cloudus. Brian, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. First, let's talk about this, all right? So what would ending the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is what Disney is situated on, the physical area where you find Disney World, what, what would that mean, and, and is it the right move? Um, I definitely think it's the right move. I think it shows that Governor DeSantis is serious. He will not be played by Disney. I mean, the main thing is it is a huge financial hit to Disney. Disney has enjoyed um, about $10 million per year in tax breaks. But with dissolving this, it means that they are going to have to play by the rules of every other law-abiding company. And here's the thing that I think Disney made a historic mis mistake. They could have just remained neutral. They could have just said nothing. They could have not gotten political. But the second they chose to come out and align with this far-left woke ideology, I mean, I think we just said enough is enough. And I think the only thing that Disney will really react to is dollars. I mean, we see they have no problem taking money 
from countries overseas where it's illegal to be gay. And they've taken this completely false narrative. They demonize now Governor Ron DeSantis, and they've just created a lie. So I think our governor is brilliant because he knows the only thing that's going to actually wake up Disney is dollars. And we are talking over $10 million a year in tax breaks that they will no longer have the luxury of receiving. In addition to considering the repeal of Disney's special district status, uh, DeSantis is calling on state lawmakers, which you may be one yourself here soon, Brian, if people vote the right way, uh, <laughs> to review a carve-out that Disney received that exempts the company from a law targeting alleged censorship by big tech companies. Can you tell us about this at all? Yeah, um, you know, so again, Ryan, he is anti-tech censorship. You know, when he was working on this bill, you know, he had to negotiate with Disney and they struck a deal where Disney would have a carve out and be exempt from this big tech censorship. And now after what has happened and after Disney has been so vocal about, you know, not supporting the don't say gay bill, uh, the governor's now coming out and encouraging lawmakers to take that exemption out for Disney. And I just think it goes to show that Disney thinks that they have, that they're above the rules. They, they get exemptions, tax exemptions, they get exemptions from this big tax issue, but no longer are they gonna get all of these special exemptions because they're, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. And our governor and our legislature has always bowed down to the mouse. But if the mouse is gonna act this way, if they're gonna bite the hands that are feeding them, I think we say enough is enough and we're not gonna play by the rules and we're gonna take all of your special privileges away and you no longer get to dictate what we're doing, period. Enough is enough. And I think taking this stand is brilliant and it's what needs to happen. You don't get special privileges if you behave this way. Period. Now, the, the parental rights and education law, which was passed recently in Florida, as you know, Brian, was right in the middle of a huge political fight, really turned into a national level political fight uh, because Democrats mobilized largely, uh, initially, the uh, activist community of the left with the uh, LGBTQ plus left wing community uh, went against the law. And now it, it is the law of the land in the state of Florida. And they're still really upset about this. I mean, here is Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, yesterday talking about Florida's parental rights law. Here's how she reacts to it. Watch this one. I'm going to get emotional about this issue because I just, it's horrible. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's like kids who are bullied and they, 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 like all these leaders are, are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families. And you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships, who have kids. It's completely outrageous. Uh, what is she talking about? I mean, has she, it, it, it honestly doesn't sound like she has read the bill. <laughs> it's the classic left-wing playbook. They just use their emotions. She's there, you know, with her acting coach, I'm sure, you know, getting all of her tears to come out. Oh my gosh, this is child abuse. I mean, when they don't have facts, they turn to tears. They have literally lost their marbles. I think they're unraveling too, because our federal judge just turned over masking on airplanes. 
So I think they are losing control left and right. And the way they combat this is to use emotions and feelings and paint people on this side of the aisle to be tyrants, to be anti-LGBT. I mean, it is just what they do. Again, she has not read the bill. She has no idea what she's talking about. It is feelings over facts. And guess what? People are waking up to it. We're not fooled anymore. Uh, Brian, is there any conversation that you pick up on uh, just in, in the general discourse right now about people from within the, uh, within the gay and lesbian community who are recognizing that there seems to be a desire on the left to make it seem like anything that opposes transgender indoctrination or transgender medical procedures even for children is anti-gay. This, this is a part of it that feels like never gets discussed. This is the tactic that the Democrats use. If you're opposed to, as Ron DeSantis, by the way, with the recent state guidance from their health department is, if you're opposed to transgender surgery for, let's say, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, the Democrats frame this as being anti-gay. What is that all about? I mean, I think it's actually a positive because you have so many people who are gay that say it's the least interesting thing about them. They don't align with this LGBTQ alphabet soup movement. You know, so I think you're seeing more and more people start to say, hey, this doesn't feel right. I don't align with this community. Right. So that's why you're seeing so many people from the LGBT community come out as conservative and align themselves with the Republican Party. I think it's always interesting that you see more like uh, white heterosexual people telling the gay community how they're supposed to feel the same way that white liberals always want to tell the black community or the Hispanic community that they're marginalized, they're victims. Well, guess what? Most sane people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender think that what is happening currently is absolutely absurd. And we don't want to be told how we're supposed to feel. So I think actually all of this far left movement is actually a positive because you've got so many people aligning with facts, aligning with sanity. And anyone, I don't care if you're straight, gay, lesbian, whatever, anyone who can agree with this indoctrination of children is just an absolute lunatic. And you're seeing so many people who are more center tick on over to the right. And I think we are gonna see historic red wave outcomes in 2022. And I'm actually very thankful because the crazies are exposing themselves and the non-crazies are getting vocal and using facts over crying and emotion. We're done with it. Yeah, we, we, need, we need as many folks as possible to join us, Brian, on Team Not Crazy. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Team anyway, Not good, Crazy. Good, good to see you, man. Thanks for being with us. Good to see you, Buck. Russian and Belarusian tennis players have been banned from Wimbledon, the biggest tennis tournament really most uh, esteemed in the world, in an act of retribution against Russian and Belarusian people because of the war in Ukraine. We'll have more for you on this in Quick Hit. The Washington Post, Taylor Lorenz shows her hypocrisy once again, and Russian tennis players have been banned from Wimbledon. We've got those stories on Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Uh, look, 
I don't like being nasty or going after individuals. Politicians, slightly different category because they wield power and need to be held to account. But even fellow people in the media, I try to be fair-minded to the left. I mean, obviously, I stand with my conservative brothers and sisters as much as I possibly can. But I don't want to be mean to leftists unless they're mean and horrible and they deserve it. And then sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Taylor Lorenz is an awful journalist who tries to ruin people because it advances her career, and she lacks self-awareness at an almost superhuman level. She recently exposed the libs of TikTok anonymous uh, social media creator, if you will, the anonymous creator of the libs of TikTok account. And then there were even people with the same name as that creator who were getting death threats, their family was getting death threats. But that's so strange because Taylor Lorenz wants people to understand that it's bad to dox people. Here she was recently on TikTok herself. A bunch of people are asking if I'm going to write about the West Elm Caleb story. No, I'm on book leave. I can't keep writing pieces for the New York Times. I literally do have a lot of deadlines. But journalists who are writing about it, please speak to people with experience in online harassment. I'm not going to lie, I've been pretty horrified by a lot of the media coverage of this. A lot of people are just aggregating some of the cruelest commentary online and whipping it all up into a news story with absolutely no comment from Caleb or nuance about the situation. The top story on Google yesterday was literally this House Beautiful story that doxes Caleb, puts his full name in the story, zero comment from this man, after this whole article gleefully encourages this online harassment and doxing campaign, they literally use him to sell West Elm furniture through affiliate links. Once again, commercializing a harassment and doxing campaign. I think the media needs a total wake-up call in the way that they cover online harassment, and this is just the latest example of it. Uh, someone needs a wake-up call, that's for sure. There she is telling you this is bad. She just doxed somebody herself and keeps doing this, but she's a Washington Post reporter and has the second richest man in the world writing the checks so that she can destroy people who are enemies of the left and feels good about that somehow. This is unjust. Russian and Belarusian tennis players, this is from the AP, have been banned from competing at this year's Wimbledon tournament because of the war in Ukraine. The move means that second-ranked Medvedev, Danili Medvedev, will not be able to play at the grass court Grand Slam tournament. Um, there is, this, is, this is wrong. This is just wrong. I don't know what else needs to be said about it. They're punishing people. In some cases, these are Russian athletes who have spoken out at Real personal risk against the war. They're banned too. Everybody's banned from Russia. This is, they're not Russian government employees. They're not members of the Russian military or the Duma, the Russian parliament. They can't play tennis because of where they happen to be born, where they hold citizenship. Does anyone really think that that's, what's this going to do? In fact, if anything, it's going to make the Russian people who maybe are on the fence about Putin in some ways or have their concerns about him say, well, is the whole world against all of us now as Russians? It's not just our government that's the problem. Not good, folks. Also in the not good file, very different. People who will not let the masks go. There are some folks out there who really will, will not stop wearing the mask. Valerie Jarrett, remember her from the Obama administration? Wearing my mask, no matter what non-scientists tell me I could do. Good, wear the mask. I, and clearly she needs to wear it forever because there will always be pathogens in the air that can infect people and could even theoretically kill people. So wear a mask forever for the rest of your life. We'll see how long this lasts for, by the way. The people that are, I'm gonna wear a mask forever. Sure, see them probably next week. They'll be at some fundraiser unmasked. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.
Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. From original art and diplomas to ticket stubs and the keys to your first home, we all have mementos we'd love to put on display. FrameBridge is the easy and affordable way to custom frame just about anything with fair upfront pricing based on the size of your item and fast, free shipping. Plus, your happiness is guaranteed. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started. That's FrameBridge.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.